Matt, you know how the world is now on the Brendan Fraser train? I never got off. Well, you know who else never got off? Superyaki.com. And bless (laughs) them for it. (laughs) They have been making Brendan Fraser merchandise for years now. Yes, Um, I have a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) As do I. We've got... I've got um, special Brendan Fraser, um, I want to say George of the Jungle socks. Nice. I have, I have a lovely King of 1999 shirt that I get a lot of compliments on. Um, there's obviously that mummy bumper sticker that everyone loves. They've got sweatshirts that honor his role in Encino Man. I wore that to Walt Disney World, and somebody told me I looked cool, and nobody at Disney World looks cool, but it was cool that I did. One of the employees said that, and so that gave me a pretty good uh, buzz. Jacob, no one looks cool with a giant turkey leg in their hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they've just been, been riding this train forever, and... I've been riding their train for almost as long. Superyaki.com is the best place online to buy interesting pop culture t-shirts, sweatshirts, socks, hats, pins, aprons about Florence Pugh. <laughs> really anything you could possibly want. And Any, uh, Anything that is a pop culture or pop culture adjacent, you'll find it there. If you and- like Malignant... <laughs> Sorry, Matt. I'm going to interrupt you just because I love this shirt so much. I can't believe I don't have it. If you like Malignant, they've got a shirt that on the back reads, if you can read this, the demonic, murderous, parasitic twin fell off. <laughs> yeah, I need fun. that. Um, but how can our listeners get in on this super yucky biz? Well, you go over to superyaki.com, that's super, Y-A-K-I dot com, and use the discount code SUPERMONSTER, and you'll get 10% off your order. On whatever you get. Fantastic. Superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. I just think they're neat. Good evening, and welcome back to Monsters Never Die, Talk Film Society's spooky podcast, where Jacob and I discuss classic monsters, human or otherwise, as well as their sequels, remakes, and ripoffs. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Curione, editor-at-large over at Talk Film Society, and with me as always is... <laughs> Jacob Noble. How are you, Jacob? I'm cold... <laughs> It is quite chilly. It is a uh, it is a balmy twenty seven degrees where I am, and uh, it's not snowing, which is unfortunate. But tonight we're gonna get cold. We're gonna get snowbound. I actually yes. saw my first flurries today, which you know, thanks to global warming is coming in late January. <laughs> but you know, Isn't that fun? whatever. <laughs> Isn't that fun? More research is needed, Jacob. Uh, yes, t- tonight we're going to be doing Snowbound. So it's a lot of movies that are horror adjacent. Well, they're pretty horror. I mean, some of these are 
the scariest movies and best horror movies of all time. And uh, we're going to be discussing them because they take place during the snow. Yeah, it's just a wonderful winter treat for everyone. Um, yeah, I, I broke one of my uh, numerous movie traditions uh, to do this episode, and I will discuss that when we get to the film. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, I've been doing great, Matt. This is the first time listeners will hear me since I've been married, and gotta hey. say, every day of wedded bliss has been a delight. This is now a two married man podcast. Yeah, it's pretty great, isn't it? It, it rules. And when people ask me, how's married life? My response is, just as it always was, beforehand, <laughs> because we were together forever. <laughs> and uh, how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's been a pretty good few weeks, uh, watching a lot of movies, not just the ones for the podcast. Uh, my husband, Carlo, and I started the year with a Harrison Ford-a-thon. Mm. Uh, he suggested it, and I. my response was, I can't say no to my favorite actor of all time. Uh, of course I'll do that. And uh, so, yeah, we are burning through his filmography. We're already up to the 90s. So, oh, wow. yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I think our next movie is Patriot Games. Mm. That'll be fun. That's a, that's a 90s cable classic, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely a 90s cable classic. There, there's a chance you turned on USA during uh, the late 90s. You're catching Patriot Games or Clear and Present Danger. <laughs> uh, but for our first film, we're going to head all the way up to Alaska for a very long 30 Days of Night. Uh, this Burr. came. This came out in 2007. It is directed by a music video director, mostly uh, David Slade. Uh, he's done a few films, but this was this is like his big, big film. Uh, this stars Josh Hartnett, uh, Melissa George, uh, Danny Houston, uh, good old Ben Foster. Um, it also stars the uh, fake Harvey Bullock from the uh, from Batman <laughs> Begins. Uh, yeah, this has a pretty good pretty good cast and uh why don't you tell us a little bit about this one jacob that's a great cast you know it's interesting i think i thought of david slade at least at the time more of as the guy who did hard candy which had gotten a lot of heat at the time um but i have never seen it i, I mean it's 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 fine it's elliot page <laughs> castrating a pedophile <laughs> That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, 30 Days a Night. It's uh, based on a comic that had kind of blew up in the you know mid-2000s, which was right around the mm -hmm. era where I was reading Wizard Magazine religiously. Ah. Um, and it's got what I would say one of the all-time great vampire movie log lines, which is vampires go up to a town in Alaska where it is nighttime for 30 days. And yeah. they have... All it's a buffet. the time they want to be around, and well, they don't have the all movie. the time. They have a month. Yeah, well. they have a, a month of feasting. The movie it's uh, it's a little indebted to Salem's Lot, um, so that's it a, also that's fine. Feels a little like Midnight Mass if you've seen that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Josh Hartnett is, you know, sheriff in this Alaskan town. It's got a little bit of that northern exposure energy yeah. where yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, you know, a small town of interesting locals and how they deal with being bombarded by vampires who talk in a weird vampire clicky language that we it's don't understand. It's, it's awkward and terrifying. <laughs> um, it was shot so close to the real Alaska in New Zealand um, of course. <laughs> so, like, half your cast ends up being either Kiwi or Australian. 
Um, and yeah, it's um, it's a very it's a very energetic and stylish late two thousands horror movie, which yeah, was it not is necessarily a time stylish. For great. Is, yeah, it's very stylish. Um, um, it's very violent. Yeah, I I I love I I love the kills in this movie. Uh, I honestly I, re- I really latched on to Hartnett when I when I saw this movie. He's damn good. He is very good, and this movie's got just a it's got a it's got a great style. It's got a great look. Um, the final battle is between Josh Hartnett, who injects himself with vampire blood, so he can yes. have a one on one battle with the evil vampire Danny Houston. And hell yeah. It's it's so goofy. I, I can't not love it. Um, it's great. It's there's like you said. It's very bloody. It feels very. I don't know. It, it doesn't sit nicely with what I think of as the late two thousands kind of horror remake trend, where a lot no, of not at all. were kind of bad and chintzy looking. This was this has a good like almost elegance to it, and it feels I, different from the horror movies of the time. Yeah, I had not seen this since theaters, and I remembered liking it well enough. But I came out this time really, really enjoying this. Um, yeah, it's a, it's honestly, I hate to use this pun, it's a cool movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we should just Arnold Schwarzenegger our way through this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the Iceman, Matt, moment. you should chill. <laughs> <laughs> nah, this movie, it rocks. <laughs> Yeah, um, I would say my only real complaint with this movie is that it. I don't think it does enough with the 30 days premise in yeah. that there's a lot of montages that end up taking you over like two week periods. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the whole hook of the movie is they're out for an entire month. But when you watch it, it feels like the vampires are out for maybe like three days. Yeah. Because, like, people just hold up, and they're like, all right, well, we're in this safe location where the vampires can't get us, and then, like, three weeks pass, and then something happens, and you're like, well, I don't think you guys really thought through how to make this (laughs) feel the weight of this, but other than that, this is a lot of fun. David Slade, I love that they gave him a Twilight because of this. Oh, my God. Uh, He did the third one, I think. Yes. Yes, Eclipse. (laughs) Yeah, um, not a great one, um, but you know I, I know I know more about that series than I would like to. If you sit down and think about it, all four of the Twilight directors are pretty interesting choices, and I count David Slade among that those yeah. numbers. Those are all all all, all great picks, and also there's um, a scene where a giant snowplow is just like yes, demolishing vampires. Yes, the vampire gets like suplex into a grinder. A iconic, of, iconic. Yeah. It's uh, it's a great movie. You know what? They Blade should have just shown up. They should yes. have just thrown Blade into this. Why movie. not? Why not? Hell, this should have been Blade Trinity. <laughs> Could you imagine? That would have been fantastic. Yeah, the day would have been better than his uh, one advantage. <laughs> it would have been better than the Blade Trinity we got. Uh, many things would. In fact, yeah. I dare say every movie we're about to cover is better than Blade Trinity. Uh, let's see what we're going to talk about. Uh, um, yeah, you're right. One last thing. Um, according to David Slade, apparently Sam Raimi was originally going to direct this, and uh, wow. he opted to produce instead. Um, okay, that's fair. Would would have had a different energy. Um, oh, without uh, a doubt, it would have been a lot would not have funnier. The understated elegance of this. Yeah, it they also been do the um, much funnier. 
they do the Zack Snyder like overhead shot from the beginning of his Dawn of the Dead remake um, with vampires oh, yeah, going yeah, around yeah. the town killing people, and it's just a cool thing. It, it's just yeah, it's the, cool. It was in the air back then. That's a cool <laughs> shot. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, yeah, you should check out Thirty Days a Night. It's not the best movie we watched this uh, month, but it's certainly fun. Oh yeah. Um, just one, I, I was checking through the IMDb goofs as I sometimes yeah. do. And, uh, apparently the, uh, the, the people of Barrow, which is a real town in Alaska, have a lot of feelings about this film. Of course um, they would. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We're not vampires, uh, damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read this directly from the quote section just because <laughs> it's very pedantic. There are a number of ham radio operators in Barrow. It would have taken days to discover all of them and prevent them from calling for help. Oddly, none of the main characters seem to think about this when they are seeking ways to contact the outside world. Oh my god. It's a movie. I I will say one goofy aspect of this movie is that during the 30 days of night, no planes come in or out of Barrow. The town shuts down. The airport closes for 30 days. And it's Melissa dark, George, Jacob. who's not supposed to be there, planes land at night all the yeah. time. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, according to the goof section, Alaska Airlines flies to Barrow at least once a day all year round. Um... But yeah, this is a this is a great flick. I, I just want to do one last like Ben Foster. Every time Ben Foster shows up in something, he's so good, and he's doing like an interesting Renfield take here. And I've just always great. I'm always a fan of uh, Foster with whatever the hell he's pulling out of his ass. Honestly, <laughs> he's a he weird good as he's a weird dude. He's a weird weird dude. He's a he's a fun actor though. He is. I really like him in uh, Hell or High Water. He's quite good in that. He uses his Ben Fosterness to its uh, best of his ability. <laughs> All right, Matt. Where does where are we going from here? What what cold town are we heading to from Barrow? Oh, uh, we are going to Colorado, I believe, right outside of Boulder. Uh, we're gonna visit Annie Wilkes and her nice little cabin in the woods. That's oh. right, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about 1990s Misery, uh, one of Rob Reiner's best films, uh, starring the incomparable Kathy Bates uh, and James Caan in basically a two-person show. I mean, yeah, you have other people in the cast, but that's the focus, and... They're both really damn good in this. This is one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. It is one of my it's one of my favorite films overall. I watch I remember there was a period where I watched Misery a lot. Uh, I adore this movie. I think it it's gorgeous to look at. Uh, it's suspenseful as all get out. Like no matter how many times I see it, like when he there's a part where he places a penguin in the wrong position, and I'm like, why'd you do that, man? Don't do that. She knows this place, like, the inside of her hand, and you're gonna, like, maybe try that? No. Uh, so, yeah, this movie is about a, an author. Uh, big shock that it's a Stephen King story about an author uh, named Paul Sheldon, who writes a bunch of trashy uh, colonial-time romance novels, and he's sick of it, so he doesn't want to do that anymore. And... He crashes his car, and his number one fan finds him. And it's great, and he's trapped, and it's wonderful. And Jacob, you say some nice things, because I'm running out of adjectives. <laughs> this movie is great, and 
you know, if you look at it, Rob Reiner, you know, he... What after, a run he had back What then. a run he had all the way up until North. Like, holy shit, yeah. just banger after, like, all-time classic yeah. after all-time classic. Uh, he had uh, this, Spinal Tap, When Harry Met Sally, A Few Good Men. Like, he was knocking it out of the, the park. Princess Bride? Consi- yeah, consistently. Like, he was one of the greats at the time. Yeah, um, and this movie is, like you said, it's a it's a great two-hander. You've got yep. essentially a movie star versus an unknown, which mm-hmm. is an interesting dynamic. I mean, it doesn't work now because we all know and love Kathy Bates, but at the time... Yes, but back then, really no one the knew first... who the hell she was. It's um, it's just it's it's a great film and the unsung. It's one of I think, uh, it's one of two films she had that year, I believe. Uh, she had a blink and you'll miss her part in Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy, uh, oh, yes. and and then she did this and wow, the Oscars gave an award to someone in a horror film. Insane, it's. <laughs> That is wild. I mean, it's well-deserved. Yes. And, and, uh... Yeah? Do you know who Kathy Bates was living with when she got this film? Oh, God. Uh, I have heard this story, but I forget. She was living in the... What I like to call the Michigan house in Los Angeles. Because her roommates were none other than Sam Raimi, the Coen brothers, and Francis McDormand, and Holly Hunter. Wow. Wow. That is all, fantastic. All of Michigan's best just living <laughs> in a house in L.A. Ever, everyone. That Bates has talked about how Raimi just had, like, Evil Dead props just, like, lying of around. Of course. Like, <laughs> next to the coffee maker. Like, that is I just fantastic. can't imagine the dynamics of that roommate situation. <laughs> that would be wild. That would be wild. And uh, I believe this is still the only King adaptation to win an Oscar. Oh, Interesting. I believe I believe that this is it. This is the only one, and uh, you know what? Well deserved because yep. she is so perfect in this movie. Uh, she's at first she's endearing, and then she like goes back and forth. Uh, when she goes through her depressive episode, mm-hmm. it's 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 like haunting. It's it's like really really well done. It's not just character acting it's it's like real depth and and like real stuff is going on uh behind the scenes in her mind and you can see it it's beautiful it's it's just great and honestly i love the rest of this cast i love lauren bacall as uh james Conn's uh, agent i love richard farnsworth Yes, the sheriff say the elderly uh, cop in his yes, life yes i love him in this uh you ever you ever watch a movie and you pick up like a nervous tick that a character has and you just start doing it yourself? I, I I can't say I have. Okay, well he does this thing where he like wraps like a rubber band around his around his hand like his fingers and he like plucks it and I find myself doing that over the years from time to time like when I'm mm. bored. Like, mm-hmm. something to just fidget with. Uh, back in my day, we didn't have fidget spinners or the cubes. We had rubber bands, ladies and gentlemen. And we were happy. <laughs> okay, Liz from Hellboy. <laughs> I don't get that reference, but go on. Have you never seen Hellboy? <laughs> yeah, but I don't remember that. Uh, it might only be in the director's cut, which is, okay. frankly, not great. <laughs> All right. I have not seen it. Um, but, anyhow. Um, Matt, it was great. I- 
I believe you got a chance to see something that I always wished I got to see. You Ooh. saw this on Broadway or off-Broadway with Laurie I Metcalf s- and Bruce Willis. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, what for a cast. Chris- for Christmas that year, uh, my parents got us tickets to see this in previews. Uh, it was phenomenal. It, it had a rotating set that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like, you would have, like, it would rotate, like, you would have the bedroom, and it would rotate to, like, the sheriff's office, and then it would rotate to the dining room and the front of the cabin. It was really, really cool. Uh, Laurie Metcalf was fantastic as mm. Annie Wilkes. Uh, Bruce Willis was making his Broadway debut, and holy crap, he was great. He, he was awesome as Paul Sheldon. Uh, he sold the fear 100%. Uh, I still don't know how they pulled off that hobbling scene live on stage, but guess what? They did it, and it was great. And uh, also, let me talk about that hobbling scene. One of the changes from the book that God bless him for doing it, because yep. it's a lot more horrifying in the movie. It's a and- lot more horrifying in the movie. And what is it in the book again? She just chops his foot off with an axe. <laughs> yeah, not not that. Yeah, that's yeah. Oof, uh, much better in the movie where he's just you know he's crippled now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, oof. This was uh, shot by Barry Sonnenfeld, and yes. one of the things I love about it is that he shoots this identically to how he shoots like a Coen Brothers comedy. Mm-hmm. Like the visual language of this movie is mm-hmm. not far off of Raising Arizona. And I think that somehow like manages to heighten the suspense because yeah. you feel so this this movie is a great example of how genuine human humor can really amp up the suspense in a movie because yes. you actually feel for these people. You actually feel like mm-hmm. they're living breathing people and speaking of which, when the horror happens we haven't even really mentioned james Kahn. uh oh, yeah. i think this is his best performance mm-hmm. uh, i think this this blows what he did in godfather out of the water um i think he is just uh it's either this or thief are his best performances for me at least I, I think he he really sells it, and it's great seeing a, an actor who is like known as a big tough guy, bedridden. Yeah, I, for Reiner ninety minutes talks about how Khan is like such a physical actor. Yeah, and yeah. to take all of that away from him mm-hmm. makes he, him even better. Takes it all away from him, and he's still got it. Yep, he's still got that spark. He's still he's a he was a phenomenal actor. Well, Matt, while we're talking about what are essentially one-location films, what have we got coming up next? Uh, I do believe we have Adam Green's Frozen uh, from... What what year was this? Was this 2012? 2010, I believe. 2010. Okay. Uh, This is the non-Olaf version of Frozen that Disney... uh, based their uh, musical off of. Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, No, this is about uh, a couple, uh, I guess, mid-20-somethings. Yeah, they're they're college kids. Um, Yeah, college kids who get stranded on a a ski lift overnight. This is another great log line. (laughs) Yeah. It's three people stuck on a ski lift, and there's wolves. (laughs) Yep, and it's got a terrific tagline. No one knows you're up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, very yeah. straightforward. 
They're pretty straightforward. Uh, This movie is... uh, I like it. I saw it for the first time a couple months ago. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, It had one of those movies that sat on my shelf for years. And uh, never got around to it um, until last October. And yeah, I ended up really, really digging it. It's uh, nice and uh, tense. It's... um. So it's by Adam Green, who's better known mm-hmm. for the Hatchet films and VHS yep. and part of that whole horror crew. Yeah. Uh, star Sean Ashmore, the X-Men's own Iceman, or the Animorphs' own Jake, if you're old. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, very I... funny, very funny that he cast Iceman in Frozen. I, th- I think funny. that I think that, like, that had to be a joke, right? That had to be, uh, like, stunt casting. <laughs> I mean, this movie is full of... <laughs> I can't decide if I think this is cute or annoying. It's full of in-jokes. Sean Ashmore is just named after Joe Lynch, the horror director who's good friends of Adam Green. Um, oh, okay. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, all of the characters are pretty much... There's a, a guy named Rifkin after Adam Rifkin. Um, okay, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, there. it takes place on Mount Holliston, which is a fake mountain, but a real town that Adam Green's from. It's very... It's just very hmm. in-jokey, but... You know what? I will take this over a horror movie where everyone is named like Carpenter and Cronenberg. And yeah, that's because I, I always hate when that uh, happens. No one is named Cronenberg. At least make it your friends, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, this movie's good. It's I got think... some uh, pretty gruesome kills. <laughs> them, them wolves yeah. are hungry, Jacob. <laughs> I I will say I appreciated this movie mostly as a what would I do kind of mental opportunity yeah. mm-hmm. um because it is a uh, genuinely compelling premise of okay you're stuck in a you're stuck on a ski lift nobody mm-hmm. is coming until friday it is currently sunday you're <laughs> 30 feet up how do you how would you get down and you get to just kind of play through that in your head um where i think this i know s- i know what i would do jacob what would you do matt tell me what I you would, would not do. go skiing <laughs> that's, that's that's what i would do I would be the kind of jerk who goes to a ski resort and just hangs out at the lodge. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, just kind of like uh, Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread. He's not going skiing. He's sitting there. <laughs> He's fine. You go have fun. Do your winter sports. I'm going to sit here and uh, watch the mountains. Is that a nice scene looking. from the Phantom Thread or are you just yes, imagining? Yes, it is. Him? Okay, yes. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> that's a real thing. I thought you were He's just like, going go off fun. on a weird fanfic thing. Nope, go have fun. I'm going to sit here near the mountains and check out this lovely view. Have fun. <laughs> I will say, I, I think this movie struggles because I, I did a lot of research about how, what you should do in this if you were to ever be in this situation. And uh, the answer what is pretty much, do? it's pretty much your solution. Don't get in this situation. <laughs> Yeah, there's, don't go. There's no real way out of it. And no, I think this fucked. movie struggles <laughs> because of that. Because yeah. I think, like, comparing it to The Shallows or, you know, one of these other single locations, single character needs to get out of a tough situation. The joy is watching them come up with genuinely smart ideas and then mm-hmm. that being foiled through no fault of their own. But this... There's really only two ideas that you can have, which is jump off or try and climb yeah. to the ladder. And they don't do either of them particularly well. The guy who jumps off jumps feet first like an idiot. Idiot. Yep. <laughs> Breaks both of his legs. And then I remember saying that when I saw it. Legs. I was like, what are you doing, guy? It's <laughs> so dumb. Why are you doing this? Don't I jump. The wolves also kind of crack me up because, like, 
I will fully buy that if somebody is on the ground, both legs broken so bad their bones are sticking out, I could see a wolf pack being like, easy kill, let's go for this. Yeah, let's do it. But later in the movie, Sean Ashmore is like climbing a ladder and the wolves are on the bottom just like, oh man, we hope this guy falls. Yeah, yeah another yeah, yeah. just like waiting for it. And I'm like, if this ski resort has press, an entire pack of wolves that is this ready to just murder perfectly able people, they've got problems. See, they, uh, they keep the wolves around for trespassers. Like they let them out when they close. They're in a pen, Jacob. Um, this movie, some of the dialogue I think is nice and good, but some of it hits that kind of mid-2000s horror fan, mm-hmm. bad college student dialogue that I hate. Um, <laughs> it's just, it, it's a little bit of half and half. Um, I'll say, Matt, my plan, what I had thought of to get down was I was going to use my um, jacket as a, um, almost like a zip line. So I would okay. tie it to my wrists, throw it over the uh, the the cable, and try and zip down to the to the. That'd be a good pole. idea. I, that's what I thought. Uh, then I looked it up. MythBusters did that plan, and it didn't of work. Of course they did. <laughs> of course they did. Um, God damn it, Savage! <laughs> I will, I also found an interview with a sixteen-year-old who this happened to in 2016. He got stuck on a ski lift. Jesus. And was thirty feet up, and. He um, he did the I'm gonna jump thing. Only Ugh. he was smarter than the characters in this movie. He okay. tied his jacket to the bottom of the chair so he could shimmy down the length of that and hung from the okay. lowest point he could. I thought but, you were gonna say he used his jacket as a parachute. I'm like, that works? <laughs> really? Cool. <laughs> Cartoon kid. Um, <laughs> so he jumps off. He. Um, Immediately broke his right arm and shattered he did. his uh, shattered his heel and ankle. Um, but he was able to crawl with his one arm that could move and got his good safety. arm and his good um, leg. And so he's he's alive today. But everybody who they interviewed in the story I was reading was like, "Yeah, he easily could have died from jumping." And they're like, "Well, what yeah. you do?" And they're like, "Man, there's not really any way to get off once you're up there." Yeah. So, Just don't go skiing, man. <laughs> um, this movie, well, I think, was more fun for me to talk talk about and think about than it was to watch. Um, just because yeah, it's just, I agree. It's kind of a downer, you know. It's just watching yeah, people uh, just slowly die because there's nothing they can do. Yeah, they yeah they do. Man, Reminds me of Open Waters, which I didn't care for. Have not seen it. It's just people. You know, a boat leaves a couple in the ocean, and they're sharks, and then well, they. Get eaten by sharks. That sounds like a them problem. (laughs) (laughs) I remember thinking that movie was weird. This is totally off topic. We should have talked about this. No, go for it. But Open Water was billed as based on a true story. And Mm -hmm. it ends with both main characters dying. And I'm like... Well, how who, could, who, what part of this could be true? Like, exactly. Yeah, how did you died, find out their story? But... <laughs> so I don't know. That's that's open waters, Matt. Let's let's talk about a snow movie though, instead of another ocean movie. <laughs> okay, uh, let's talk about one that stars uh, Christopher Lee. <laughs> oh yes, and um, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee uh, together. And Telly again. Savalas and Telly Savalas together at last. This yes. is Horror Express. Ooh. Um, this one yeah. I did not watch. Uh, 
except for the first uh, couple minutes, uh, that uh, corpse in the opening credits is uh, scary. I don't like it. <laughs> Matt, this is a movie of many twists and turns. Every time you okay. think you've got kind of a handle on what it is, it turns into something else entirely. This movie is part Murder on the Orient Express. It's mm-hmm. part Dawn of the Dead. It's part The Thing. <laughs> It's part murders in the Rue Morgue. It's got just a little sprinkling of every horror movie you can imagine in it. And it's fucking great. Um, This is an Italian movie um, filmed with a largely English cast. So everybody's dubbing themselves, which is nice. Um, That is nice. I like when they do that. (laughs) (laughs) So the premise, which is difficult to explain is Christopher Lee discovers the missing link. It, you know, the the med, the link between man and beast. Uh, he finds this ape caveman in Siberia and is like, ah, oh, this is my find. I'm going to take it home via train. Meanwhile, his, like, rival archaeologist, Peter Cushing, and they have, like, a friendly rivalry, Mm-hmm. Um, is also on the train, and he's like, what do you have? I think it's something sneaky, and Christopher <laughs> Lee's like, don't ask me about it, I'm not telling. So Peter I'm Cushing, not telling, it's a secret! <laughs> Peter Cushing pays a guy to crack the box open and look at it, and um, wouldn't you know, the missing link is alive. Hell yeah. Kills the man, puts the man in the box, reseals the box. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And Why wouldn't you? So at this point of the movie, you're trying to tell, like, is this just like a, mon- you know, is this a monster movie? Is this yeah. you know, Ape Man Gone Wild? Turns out the ape is possessed by an alien who oh can take over your mind. And it's trying to take over enough people's minds to gather the knowledge it needs to build a spaceship to go home. So it's trying to find the smartest people it can. That's take fun. over their minds, and when it takes over your mind, it smooths out all the wrinkles. <laughs> so they do some brain surgery, and they're like, "Oh my god, this person's brain is smooth as a pebble." <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of smooth brains over here. <laughs> um, and so, you know, when you're possessed by the alien, you know, you look human, you look normal. There's a mad monk on board who he's like a Rasputin-like priest. Who's yeah. like extremely religious, but then it turns out he's worshiping Satan and he thinks the alien is Satan, so he becomes like in league with the alien. It's wow. this movie's fucking cool. <laughs> so this is what they mean when they say they don't make them like they used to. They do not make them like no. they used to. Um, wow. You gotta be careful how you're watching this movie. Um, mm-hmm. There's a great Blu-ray of it. Um, Tubi has a good version of it, but they're... This movie is public domain, and a lot of copies were made from truly terrible prints. Um, so if you can, sneak out the, the Arrow Blu-ray of it, because it's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, this sounds cool. I wish I had watched this. Also, there is an episode of uh, the Creepshow TV show um, where they th- this is like... There's a movie nerd who develops the ability to put people into his favorite movie, and this is his favorite movie. And he like that's cool. Puts Darcy Carden into it, and the <laughs> episode is like CG Darcy Carden integrated into this movie. And it wow. was written by the guy who was the voice of Gex in the video game Gex. Oh my and god, Dana Gould. If, yeah, 
<laughs> Matt, this is why we have a podcast together because I can say the we... voice of Gex, and you can say, "Oh yeah, Dana Gould." We Dana all know Gould. this, of course. That guy, Jesus. <laughs> but like, if you were spinning a wheel of my interests, Darcy Garden in Horror Express in a TV episode written by Gex, it feels like somebody was just like, "All right, how do we get Jacob?" Brain. And then just threw a bunch of darts at a board of things I like. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, you you should go back and you should watch Horror express this movie rules. i think i will i think i will um now we get to the movie where i broke my my horror movie tradition you see jacob i watch this movie whenever we have our first snowfall mm. and since we didn't have a snowfall yet whatever i watched kubrick's the shining anyway for this episode and uh what can i say it's it's the shining <laughs> it's the it's the shining it's it's uh one of my favorite movies ever regardless of genre it's uh fantastic uh this is a movie that i have seen multiple times in a theater uh and owned on mo- multiple formats through over the years i oh man jacob i love the shining uh you say some stuff i'll i'll join in because i don't know it's the shining yeah, I mean, it's gorgeous, Matt. Do you know how I first saw The Shining? Did you see it at daycare, like you saw every other movie? <laughs> no, not this one. Was this one of the tapes at that that horrid daycare you were at? <laughs> this it, this is almost equally demented. I was a kid, and I first watched this alone with my dad in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny Which, uh, and, and it turns out you were staying at the Stanley Hotel good for you I, I still remember um, it, it, it. most of the movie didn't get under my skin too much but um, what the scene that did was the um, the old lady in the bathtub with the like, I think sores that and everything. gets to everyone man um, and <laughs> that's I just, just a scene I, that like ugh. I vividly remember being dropped off home my mom wasn't home yet I was home alone my dad left and just being terrified to go to the bathroom because every time yeah. I like looked at the shower curtain, I was like, oh, that old lady, she's behind there. I just know it. <laughs> uh, greatest cackle of all time? Yeah, it's a good cackle. Her? I, th- I think it's like, it's the best. It's fantastic. This movie, God, it's it's gorgeous to look at. Uh, those Steadicam shots are the, the, the work of geniuses right there it's just everything is so smooth um if this was made nowadays it would be all handheld and bullshit and i'm i'm good on that uh but kubrick had this new technology he's like oh they invented this camera that doesn't shake and we're we're gonna use that and it's gonna be really good looking uh i love this movie a lot i've seen the making of the shining many many times as well uh the uh, documentary that uh, kubrick's daughter uh directed um Nothing like watching Jack Nicholson brush his teeth and uh, pretend to be foaming at the mouth. I think that's very, very, very funny. He's a he's a funny dude. Uh, no, I love this movie. I think all the performances are top notch. Uh, I yeah, it's 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 frightening. It's got this ominous atmosphere that just like sticks with you long after the credits roll. Uh, it's it's really damn good, Jacob. And uh, yeah, it's it's wild. It's it's wild. <laughs> Can I say something a little weird about this movie, though? Go for it. I feel like the inclusion of The Shining... It's almost just, like, one element too many. <laughs> oh, the actual, the titular Shining. Yeah. Like, why is the movie called The Shining? Like, 
I feel like The Shining that is boy's so got to shine. not integral to this movie no. at all that no. for it to be the title just seems bizarre. Like, I feel like you could remove The Shine from this movie and literally <laughs> nothing would change other than Scatman Crothers doesn't die. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I I'm love the sure movie. there's shining it's heads fantastic. at home who are screaming at me, big, uh, you know, at their podcast catchers, being like, "No, the shine is how the ghosts got into the whatever." But I just, yeah, in the book, uh, maybe I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, I don't in read. the <laughs> yeah, in the book they did. Uh, in the uh, oh, that TV miniseries, that's how they <laughs> got in. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know, King talks about how he doesn't like that Nicholson seems unhinged from the beginning. And I think it's a fundamental difference in that, like, I think King, because he's basing a lot of this struggle on his own struggles Mm, with, you know, addiction and everything, has a lot of empathy for the character and the way that, you know, you can be taken over by something outside of yourself. Yeah. Versus Kubrick, who I think is just like, people are horrible, and this is a horrible yeah. man. Yeah. And there are some ghosts here, but like... But it's re- mostly just, like, this guy's not good. Like, I love that it opens with him just like telling his unseatbelted kid about the Donner Party in cannibalism. Yes. Like, he Saw got, it on the television. He comes in with such a demented energy. I, I yeah. really I, I love him in this movie. I, I think Nicholson is uh, phenomenal. And uh, Shelley Duvall, I you know I love Shelley Duvall. She's great. One of um, the great performances. I, I you know everybody rightly acknowledges that Cooper probably should have been nicer to her. Yeah. Um, I it makes me think about what Robert Altman's version of The Shining would be, just because he was so loving and caring for his actors yeah. and just kind of let them do anything, and would do like two takes of things. And I. Was, the whole movie, I just couldn't not think about what Robert Altman's The Shining would be. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah, there wouldn't be a ghost for the first like three quarters of the movie. Yeah, no, the ghost would show up like 10 minutes to the end. It's It'd be like Gosford Park, which is the murder yeah. mystery where the murder doesn't happen until 90 yeah. minutes in. It's a less of a whodunit, more of a who gives a shit. But, um, you know, I have a question. Like, Go it's for so it. weird to me that it's like, oh, Jack got this job, and you know, Shelly's like, Oh, did you get the job? You watch the movie, and you're like, Shelly's doing all the work. Yeah. What caretaking is he doing? Nothing. Mm-hmm. She's the one checking the boilers. She's walking around. I'm like, She yeah. should have been in the interview. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I guess that's it. A- he got the job to keep her busy. Yeah. So while he could write his, uh, write his little book. Well, there is a lot of interesting, I think, commentary about the patriarchy here which it's always weird when it's coming from somebody like stanley kubrick um but it's it's like darren aronofsky making mother where it's like just a feature-length warning about darren aronofsky and you're like yeah okay i get are you self-aware what's happening here well i mean towards the end of his uh life i mean he did he he, uh, kubrick did you know begin to see the other side i mean yeah I mean, if you watch something like Eyes Wide Shut, it's yeah. uh, surprisingly feminist. <laughs> I, I just saw that for the first time this uh, this New Year's. That made me so happy that you watched that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, The Shining. You know, there's, there's not there's 
people it's the shining talked a lot about the shining and it's the actual best i love it it's uh really 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 good and um now we come to and i already sense matt's gonna disagree with me here a movie i think is better than the shining nope (laughs) absolutely not (laughs) and this is antonia bird's ravenous yeah you talk about this one (laughs) this is one of the weirder movies you'll ever see um and a movie in which i think it is more indebted to its score than any movie has ever been i think this score is great the best movie scores of all time and i don't think this movie works even an iota without it Because the score for the first... Alright, so let's let's jump back and just tell you what Ravenous is, because Ravenous has not been seen as by as many people as The Shining. This is uh, true. Guy Pierce is a um, veteran of the Mexican-American War, and he was a coward in his one battle, and he hid under the corpses of all of his fellow um, soldiers, and their blood gets into his mouth, and he has a like surge of energy, and he takes the fort himself, and then is immediately shunted off to this tiny little um, fort in California because his commanding officers know he was a coward, but they know it would look bad if the man who saved the day was dishonorably discharged. So they give him just a shitty little gig out in California where he meets with Jeffrey Jones and David Arquette and an entire interesting cast of characters. Then a guy shows up and tells an extremely creepy story about how they were trying to pass over the mountains and they got snowed in for a month and eventually resorted to cannibalism and he was able to escape because he was only eating what he needed to and the person he was with was eating too much and they go out too much to people <laughs> too many people <laughs> So they go out to go rescue the one person who might be left, and it turns out this man is lying. He is actually the cannibal, and not only is he a cannibal, he's a wendigo, which is a person who gains the power of the people they eat when they eat people. Yes. And Guy Pierce is battling with the wendigo energy of himself because he has already drank blood, and this cannibal wants him to fully give in. And it's weird and interesting and not supernatural until the back half and i think the music which again is frequently just insane (laughs) um there it'll shift wildly in tone the way that the movie does from like really intense and scary to just like goofy banjo music during an intense scary (laughs) scene which is maybe my favorite uh, part of the movie there's one scene where uh it's this really ominous tone in the in the score and uh uh damon albron uh from uh blur and the gorillas he did the score for this uh i'm fairly certain they lifted that part of the score straight out of silent hill Uh, it is the sound you hear like when you first boot up the, the Silent Hill game. It is very creepy. Uh, there's even mandolin in the background. Like Interesting. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's, it's straight out of that video game. Um, 
But yeah, that was that was a lot of plot talk to essentially be say this is a movie about an evil cannibal and a good trying to not be cannibal and cannibalism is kind of like vampirism here and it's irreverent in a way that I think is fun and interesting and it's also largely about manifest destiny and the American need to consume and kill and expand outward with no regard for anyone else mm-hmm. and there's just there's a lot of it's funny and gross and weird and interesting to think about and I think Ravenous is great Matt, I do not think agrees that that opinion. It's so fine. Matt, tell me about your ravenous. It's fine. I was not on this movie's wavelength at all throughout. It is a weird wavelength uh, to be on. <laughs> uh, it it it's it's a comedy apparently. Um, it, it's I don't know. It's fine. It's I'll rewatch it. I'll give it another chance. But this time, this movie did almost nothing for me. I, I think one chance I think one second chance would it it's earned it and I think it you might yeah. like it more the second time around. I like the cast like I really like this cast I think they're really good I um, I don't want to like Jeffrey Jones because he's a horrible person but I do like I Jeffrey know, Jones when like, he shows up in things he's a horrible human being but I do love when he's in something and I like Ro- yeah Robert Carlyle plays the evil cannibal and he does an amazing job um yeah, the guy from uh, World is Not Enough. Yeah, yeah, and the the, 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 the film, Bond villain. <laughs> the film's just it. It takes a lot of twists, and there's a lot of uh, just nice moments. I like I like David Arquette in this movie. He's I great he was fun. in this. Uh, he was fun. Um, I like Guy Pierce. I uh, yeah yeah. The cast is very very good. It's just that I don't know. I just was not on this movie's wavelength whatsoever. Guy, Guy Pierce has. He's the lead character in the movie. Has virtually no dialogue. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he maybe strings together ten sentences in the entire film. Everybody else is talking, and he's just kind of there. Honestly, once Carlisle showed up, I felt that he was the main character. Yeah. And this movie, I don't know, it has interesting things to say about what is cowardice, what is bravery. Is it maybe important to have cowards in a society? Um, There's... So Matt, the um, I don't know if you know this. The original director of this was fired. Um, okay. And this is such an odd movie. Like I can't even imagine it not being directed by the person who started it. You know, like yeah. It, to imagine that this is it, somebody finishing somebody else's movie and have it come out this weird is wild to me. But when Milcho Manchevsky who was the Macedonian art house director who was originally making this, got fired. Um, (laughs) The producers, do you know who they brought in to uh, finish the film? I think I read this, but who? It was probably by me and tweeting about it. Probably, yes, it was. (laughs) Um, Raja Gosnell, director of Scooby-Doo and Home Alone 3. Oh, no. (laughs) And apparently the cast was just like, no. They were like, screw this guy, we don't like him, get out. (laughs) At the time, all he had done was Home Alone 3. Um, not like the rest of his career would have helped him here. But it's just... <laughs> I just cannot imagine what that means. Like, yeah, no. There's no way to make this movie mainstream. Um, nope. And to have that happen would just be fucking insane. Also, I feel like Hot... You've seen Hot Rod? 
You've never seen Hot Rod? Not yet. Oh, not man. Yet. Gotta see Hot seen, Rod. I've seen Popstar many times, but I've not seen Hot Rod. No. Uh, there's a scene in Hot Rod where um, Andy Samberg falls down a hill for generously about 10 straight minutes. And yes, that scene was very good in this. I I suspect that Andy Samberg has seen Ravenous and is like, I yeah. want to redo this scene. Because there's a scene it. where Guy Pierce jumps off a cliff and then falls down a mountain for maybe about five minutes. Yeah, it's wild. It's pretty it's, funny. There's, like I said, there's just a lot of weird, like, this movie hits the, like, Joss Whedon irreverent line button correctly i think mm-hmm. um the first time robert carlisle gets shot he's just like this is so annoying and i don't know that's <laughs> that's a great line there's a line where a priest wakes up and they're he's screaming and they're like what's wrong and he's like he was licking me and they're like what and he's like he just starts screaming he was licking me and i don't know i love that um this movie has kind of the same ending as 30 days of night but i think it works better here because you essentially have two invincible guys who can't die and this is more grand trapped yeah this is more grand guignol bloody violence you're kind of just like luxuriating in the fact that neither of them can die whereas 30 days of night is trying to do an action movie finale where you're like yeah supposed to be invested in who wins but it's like you guys are equally powered so how do i really care but then in this they just both get trapped in a giant bear trap that's like it's cool too big (laughs) yeah it's ridiculous um it's a bigfoot trap (laughs) but yeah this was uh this was the a spec script from the writer of um oceans 11 and wow the the guy who's married to sutton foster and (laughs) that's all i have to say ravenous is weird and funny and you should check it out and matt you should check it out a second time i will and that brings, what does this bring us to? This brings us to a movie I think we both can agree is excellent. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, another one of the greatest of all time. It is John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. One of the many movies that was destroyed by Spielberg's E.T. that summer. And uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, you want to go to movies and have a good time. And you don't really want to go and uh, see this gross gross thing uh, <laughs> no this movie rules I, I love it I've always loved it I love the ambiguity of it all I like I always say I love the performances I think Kurt Russell is terrific in this I love Keith David here uh, Wilford Brimley this is my favorite Wilford Brimley performance uh, I think I think more than Cocoon been, I've never seen Cocoon yeah me neither. Uh, <laughs> but him as Blair uh, when he's like he's uh, so good actual lines from the movie uh what are you up to blair and blair goes uh well i'm definitely not building a spaceship what are you doing uh uh i love i love it uh you don't know how many times i have uh just gotten over being sick and i go i'm all better now uh i love that moment that's so good (laughs) i'm all better now i'd like to come in and he's so insistent on it he's like i want to come inside i don't like it out here i'm all better now come on man (laughs) Uh, but no, yeah, I love this movie. Uh, it has some of the greatest makeup effects ever in any yeah. movie. Uh, Rob, Rob Boteen, Boteen, baby. Good Lord. He is, he's always great. And when you, you watch a movie and his name pops up in the credits, in the opening credits, you know you're in for some impressive, impressive work. Uh, yeah, love him. 
uh, yeah, this movie, it's the thing. It's great. I mean, it looked like we said with The Shining, like, it's The Shining. Like, this time it's like, it's the thing. Uh. You know, it's interesting. I'm looking at our letterboxed list of every movie that we've covered on Monsters Never Die. Mm -hmm. And um, if you sort them by average rating, the two highest rated films that we've ever covered are The Thing and The Shining. Yep, there you go. That makes sense. It's it's just interesting that you know snowbound horror seems to really resonate with people. We they they it's, like a it's good. It's you know it's isolating. It's cold. It's scary. You can't go anywhere because there's snow. Uh, Carpenter is uh, at the top of his game here. Uh, really, just knocking it out of the park. Uh, Dean Cunney shoots the hell out of this Ooh, thing. Yeah. Uh, it's this movie makes me feel cold, Jacob. Matt- uh, very few movies do that. This movie gives me the chills. Matt, do you know who I think deserved an Oscar for this film? Wilford Brimley. Close. That husky. <laughs> I love that the dog. The acting they get out of that, that dog. That dog acting. That Ooh. dog looks suspicious. Yeah, How I do know. you make a dog? Do you know how many movies I've watched where I'm supposed to believe <laughs> that a dog is evil or scary and you just watch him and you go, that dog's having a good time. That dog is run into a stake that they have just off camera. I watched The Omen, and like they have to like do cartoon red eyes over the dogs to try and make them look scary, and they still don't look yeah. scary. They look like they're having fun. This dog, yeah, they're is like little pups. There's a scene where he's like walking down the hallway, looks in one me. of the doors, and is like, "Uh huh, I see this," and then turns back and then like goes somewhere. Else. And I'm like, this dog is thinking. Yeah, what a great it's one of those dog movie where where the tension is through the roof throughout uh that that blood test scene still gets me that uh because i don't know if maybe it's like something wrong with me or maybe the movie just is that good but i always forget who the thing is in that scene <laughs> I, no the, matter how many times i've seen this movie i'm always surprised uh so when, the, when it when it goes wrong like it always catches me. I'm always like, "Oh, it is him." Okay. The first time I saw this movie, that moment scared me so much I had to pause mm-hmm. it and just be like, "Yeah, I just need a break for a second. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a it's one of the all time great jump scares. Um, it's terrific and it it works. I when I was it in works. college, I was doing a presentation and I forget why, but I was showing this clip. Well, from it was the an thing. assignment. You were doing a presentation. That's yeah. why. And. Um, <laughs> I just I, I remember showing this clip to a cl- like an entire class and just watching everybody's reactions, <laughs> both to the because it's a great jump scare, but you then it's immediately bastard. followed by the best effects in the movie. Where, yeah, like it's gross. It's uh, a, f- a few years ago I showed this to uh, a couple friends of mine, and they had never seen it before, and the the girl like had to like and she's really into horror she covered her face she was like this is fucking disgusting the belly opening <laughs> I'm like, up i'm like yeah isn't it isn't it, isn't it great is so good the yes. head breaking yes. off of the neck just the i can see mm-hmm. the texture of how the neck splits apart right now in my mind yep. because I it's am, just so iconic i am currently looking at a thing action figure that i have uh that is almost 20 years old and it is still one of the grossest things I have on display. You know, Matt, any action figure can really be a thing action figure. This is <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Who knows? He could he could be anybody. Uh, that I, Pikachu I have over there, that's the thing. Oh no. <laughs> this is just a me thing. 
And I understand why John Carpenter turned down the stop motion finale of this film because it felt mm. not of a piece with Rob Bodine's work. No, I don't think it would. Yeah, I miss yeah. it personally. I the yeah. end of this movie always it just would feels be cool. slightly small. I want a little bit of expansion in scope. See, it, that's why I like it. I like it's it's a it's a low key downer ending. For a downer movie. Well, I mean, prior to that, when he, but like, yeah. I'm talking the scene where he blows up the big thing. But like, you get like ah, two shots of like a big thing puppet. I, I just want a little bit of just a, a few shots of a stop motion. I want a little bit of RoboCop two energy at the end of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, this movie's great. Uh, it's easy to make an argument. This is Carpenter's best. I wouldn't uh, agree, but I would understand any human being who said that. Like, I could see someone saying this is his best. Uh, it's not my favorite Carpenter. Uh, it's up there. It's probably number three or four for me. Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of his, but uh, this one doesn't quite reach what I look for in a Carpenter film. I yeah. still prefer movies like uh, The Fog yep. or ha- Halloween yep. or uh, even my favorite, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, it's so much fun. Oh, my God. <laughs> if we could squeeze that onto the show one day, that would be a lot of fun to attempt to make an excuse why we're covering Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> There's... There's just a few too many scenes of people just walking around in this movie, which is my like, yeah, personal least favorite horror thing. It's just like, I'm just watching people walk, and I'm like, I don't know. They, I dig it. I dig this movie. It's I, nice oh, yes. Gross. These are very and, minor uh, complaints, because the highs are so us, high. This leads us to the end of the episode. Uh, nobody trusts anybody now. We're all very tired, Jacob. We uh, are. I know you, I know you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... So this was this was fun. This, this was, was great. Uh, nice, nice chilly episode. Yes, um, I had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, so in the meantime, where can the nice people that are listening? Well, I hope they're nice. Find you on the internet. They can find me at Jacob underscore Denoble, and that is on Twitter and Letterboxd. And I have a new thing to say. You can also find mm-hmm. me at denoble.com.com, my new website with an obnoxious Ooh. name. Uh, that's denoble.com spelled out and then .com, the actual .com. <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't think of a name and then I thought of that and it made me laugh. And my wife's like, are you sure? And I was like, no, but I'm going to buy the donate <laughs> no. name anyway. No, but I'm doing it. So, um, yeah, check me out there. It is essentially just a repository for what would formerly be tweet threads. And I'm like, I should have a place for these that aren't just Twitter. So, that's, yeah, there you go. That's what I'm using with denoble.com.com. Just 2002 style blogging. That's my that's my little tagline. Just taking it back. It reminds me of that Aqua Teen episode where they go to like the internet. Wizard.com. Um, uh, as as for me, you can find me basically everywhere at the real Matt C. That's that's the name I use, and I like it. And you can find me there. Um, this is a little ahead of time. Uh, I know this is a, a couple months out, but uh, you are going to be able to see me live in person in April uh, at oh. the Nighthawk Cinema in Brooklyn. In, in the Williamsburg location, I believe, uh, doing a, I'll be introducing the 90s Super Mario movie. And uh, that's going to be both a hoot 
and a holler. I will have a lot more information uh, available uh, on Twitter and such uh, when it gets closer to the date. Uh, really looking forward to that. That's amazing. I am so I excited I for you. I can't it. believe it's this be is so happening. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so next month, we're go- what are we going to be discussing? We're going to be talking about some killer dolls. We're going to be Ooh. talking about a lot of killer dolls. we got a lot of killer dolls to watch. Yes, uh, except for one major doll, because, spoiler, well, he's going to get his own episode down yeah, the line. Yeah, we, we, we got to get to Charles Lee Ray on his own. We can't yes, cram yes. him together yeah, with we, some other jabronis. Yeah, with the likes of, of uh, Megan or whatever that <laughs> Mithrigan. movie is. Uh, yeah, I have it's not pronounced seen it Mithrigan. Yet. I, I know you haven't seen it. I've seen it, and they say Mithrigan the entire movie. Really? No, That's fantastic. they do not do Oh, goddammit. <laughs> that would have gotten me interested in actually seeing it. Um, but yeah, I'll watch Mithrigan, and <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Uh, so until next time, stay spooky. Stay spooky.